I almost uh, rushed to hit record here because O'Connor and I were like knee deep in some golf nerd gold. We're talking about hey, we're talking about the why I got it. I wanted to hit record because you were about to launch into a dissertation about how you dress for the temperature and at what temperature will we both will and will not play golf. <laughs> so, hi, how are you? I'm good. How about you? Looking forward to tomorrow and today. We're going to have a tomorrow to play golf and today to talk golf. Yeah. Um, that's Tim O'Connor. I'm Humble Howard. This is Swing Thoughts brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. So, because uh, Tim started the conversation by going, this might be one of the last days to play golf. And then I sort of purported, purported, I purported that, uh, you know, I will play, you know, eight degrees, six degrees, ten degrees for sure if it's not gusting. And then you start as to say your formula for a golf outing in the fall. Well, it's 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 and also in the spring, but it's the consideration of the, how the three elements combine. Yes. So cold can be okay. Yes. On its own, but then you add in wind. Whoa. Then you add in precipitation. So you have to weigh off how those two second and third elements combine with the first, and that's the formula. And then if you also factor in uh, the number of layers you will have on. <laughs> like, you know, generally the last couple of weeks, and I think it's because I'm getting older, but, you know, when it's a crisp day, I've got, you know, three minimum. I mean, my 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 table stakes, as the kids like to say, is three minimum four if it's cold but i got three i got two layers on right now i got a long sleeve you know sort of sweatshirt and a golf shirt then one more layer that's for sure but today is going to be you know feels like 20 something now tomorrow when you and i play it's going to be eight nine or ten degrees as long as it's not windy i don't mind no, it'll be it'll be fine. When the sun's out, it makes such a difference. I played last weekend, and it's like when the sun went in and the wind picked up. Whoa! Yeah, it's like you could just and because you got because of the layers. I usually play with three layers. You get kind of a sweat going. Oh yeah. <laughs> and when it cools down and the wind starts to go, it's like whoa, giddy up! I uh, broke <laughs> just out. Motor running. I, I'm trying to think. I broke last Saturday was our final hustlers, and it was a stunning day. It was. It was. It was. I think I saw you guys there, you and Ronan, and uh, that. But for the bulk of that afternoon, when it was very, very warm, you know, it made it made seem it made it seem that golf could go on forever and anything was possible. But then you get a few days like we did this week, where the gray—it's not even a gray sky—it's that dark black gunmetal gray or whatever. And uh, yeah, the gloom—it was gloomy, like, man. I started. Call- you think? Yeah, that's what you think Lord Voldemort could <laughs> right. come out. No, absolutely. It was definitely a Lord Voldem- Voldem- Voldemort. 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 He who, we'll just call he who he can't, who can't be, named. be named. Yeah, who's who, exactly. But it was definitely that kind of sky. And I was starting to call it November Junior. <laughs> because we all know November is the worst month of the year. I don't. There's no argument. There's no debate. No, I'm right with you. You, you go back to I remember like university was always like, oh, my God. Am I going to... Should I try and write this exam, or would getting hit by a bus be a better option? <laughs> That's right. Well, the thing is, like, and I come from Saskatchewan, where the winters are way colder, but we generally, have, <clears throat> excuse me, have more sun in the winter time. But here in southern Ontario, after my thirty years, I've uh, always noticed. I started noticing that November was just endless dark days filled with cold wind and rain. It's, it's kind of like this entire... Oh, there's Stan. Stan. Thanks, Lid. It's kind of like this entire year has been 10 months of November. <laughs> what? Yeah. This gotta, been, we've had a spectacular uh, summer. No, no, but I mean, because of the pandemic. Oh, right. Here, right. Just talk oh, amongst oh. yourselves. i got to get Stan over to this dog walker here. Oh, buddy. oh, I think what you're talking about is the emotional grayness that we've, ha- we've faced. Indeed. Yeah, it's been kind of kind of tough that way. Looking at all four walls, I think that's why it's best to have uh, nice, brightly colored walls, so that you can reflect off that and think it's sun- summertime. I was just thinking that you know, I think. Thank um, you for that. If you're if you're a paint manufacturer, or retailer, I think you'd wouldn't you be 
stocking paints that resemble, I don't know, craft dinner and, and sunshine and yeah. things like that. Comfort. You feel happy. Comfort food, comfort paint. Anyway, yeah, what I mean by the whole year has been like in November because it's so, it's the whole, there's this been this darkness. You know, my daughters, uh, one of them just moved out because she was hanging out with me for the summer. And the other one's about to move out. And I said, you know, they were talking about how stressed out they are, their friends are. And I said, you know, you know, we've had, I mean, golf's a great distraction. But I said, it's just think of it. In early winter, the mother, this alien mothership descended upon us. And at first we were all like, oh, my God, there it is. But I said, as time has gone by, we've gotten used to it. And so the stress of it is has become has become more subtle, but the stress of it is there nonetheless for everybody oh, yeah, every absolutely. day. And then they rolled their eyes and said, oh, great. Dad's doing another one of his sermons. Great. Can't wait to hear what's up next, Papa. <laughs> anyway, I see our guest is getting ready. Stephen Yellen is our guest. He's a interesting uh, author and golf coach. And uh, inventor, I shouldn't say inventor, uh, proponent of fluid motion. He's written several books about it, The Fluid Motion Factor. And most recently, well, that is the most recent one, I guess. The Fluid Motion Factor is based on uh, the fluid motion, uh, the original book. I want to talk to Stephen about this. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. There's Tim. I'm Howard. You're Stephen. It's, uh, this is what we do. It's very informal. There's a lot of yelling and crying. I hope not. <laughs> well, that's what makes our show special. Is we uh, we go down the rabbit holes and talk about our demons. But uh, anyways, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, so your book's called Simplicity. Um, is it racing out of Amazon warehouses? You know, it's doing very well. It's doing much better than my agent thought it would uh, be doing. And uh, the reviews seem to be quite encouraging it's really helping out um people's game golf game well let's begin with that i mean one of the things that has you know confused and confounded players of this game for a long time is how one gets one self in a state of good play and one of the things i i love the uh one of the bylines of one of you i think your first book was understanding the source of exceptional golf what yes. don't what don't we understand uh, we don't understand much at all right unfortunately there is a huge gap the gap is so huge that it's um uh and it's really it's really uh, prevented people from reaching their potential in golf and in a lot of different sports as well. Um, golf is all about motion. Motion is all about the muscles. Where's the operating system of the muscles? Well, it's in the brain. It's the brain physiology. So unless you have a thorough understanding of how fluid motion is produced, you really don't have a thorough understanding of your game in any sport, especially in golf, because golf swing is not the most natural of moves. And when you do have a thorough understanding, which is not my understanding, in many ways this is not even my program, um, it's nature's program, then what happens is all the mysteries are dissolved. And anyone who has gone through my program, and I mean anyone from amateur golfers to golfers that have won major championships, when they're finished with the two-day program, there is no doubt in their mind, absolutely zero doubt in their mind, what has to happen in order to play championship elite consistent golf, or at least as golf as good as they can play. And that takes away um, so much uh, doubt and confusion, and um, I hope something good is going to show up that day. It just removes it completely. So is the common problem, Steve, that, that you talked about this program, it's two days, but what I take away from your book is largely it's doing less to get more. Bingo. Okay, you, absolutely bingo. The thing is, is that, you know, if you sat down with 100 different athletes from different sports or 100 different golfers and you asked them, how did it feel when you play, you played your best? You could probably, as you know from the book, divide the – their responses into three um, separate categories, three different categories. The first category is um, time slowed down. 
just felt like I had all the time in the world. The second category is, you know, I wasn't thinking out there. I'm not too sure what I was doing. I just sort of went up to the ball, pulled the trigger, and there you go. And the third category is that the body felt very liquid and free and was able to make self-corrections. Well, this space, you know, more or less it's the zone, and the zone is a neurophysiological phenomenon. Zone is not a psychological phenomenon because everything starts from the brain physiology, even your emotions. So when um, when you understand uh, from a neurophysiological level, and again, this is not a neurophysiological program. There's just very there's a couple basic concepts that everyone can relate to. But when you understand that, and then you have a simple program to access it, you know you're giving yourself a much better chance of reaching your potential in the game. I think the key word there is access, mm. because it, as Howard and I have talked, we've been doing this podcast for, I think it's more than four years, is that the paradigm of golf instruction and the way most adults carry through the world is they want to do it right. They want to adhere to the model they see on YouTube or they read about or all the tips. But in doing so, what I've got from your book is that by doing all that, we can't access the natural athleticism and skill and reps that we've already got. So if you could just yes. talk about that, that contradiction in terms of our ability to access what we have versus trying to do all this other stuff. Yeah, it's, it's toxic thinking. It's, you're sabotaging yourself, systematically sabotaging yourself most of the time, every time you're over the ball. Now, for a beginning golfer, someone who's learning the game, they have to see a PGA, LPGA professional. They have to learn the correct mechanics. It's not going to fall down from the sky, all right? And they have to practice that because, again, the golf uh, swing is not a very natural motion like throwing a baseball or even hitting a tennis serve or a forehand or at bat when you're swinging a bat. So you have to go in there. Someone has to teach you. What needs to be done? Now, there comes a point in time in your development as a player where it's not going to happen in a week or two weeks. It may take six months. It may take a year. It may take other players um, uh, that are less athletically inclined a little longer than that. But there comes a point in time where you have grooved your motion. Meaning that you go to the range, you drop a bucket of balls, you're feeling no pain. All right, yeah. It's more or less the same all the time. More or less, within a certain acceptable range. At that point in time, when Dr. Fred Travis, a neurophysiologist who worked with two Olympic teams, Norway and Denmark, winter winter sport teams, so they're the tops in the world, told me something about 15 years ago. There was a nuclear explosion in my little brain, okay? And he said, Stephen, you know that muscle memory doesn't break down when you have grooved emotion. What breaks down is your ability to access it. Now, Eden Howard, when he told me this, I paused for a second, and then I said, oh, my goodness. This changes everything. This changes everything. It's like Einstein realizing that, uh, you know what, we don't quite understand the world. It's like this. It's time-space geometry, okay? And mass distorts space. So I I really, I, I, I understood the ramifications. And the ramifications are this, that once you have grooved your motion, you do not have to reinvent it on every single swing. Yeah, I mean, if I may jump in right there, and, and I love everything you just said. There's so much to uh, to learn, and, and just it, it really is like a lightning bolt. But you know, we've had discussions on various levels with various levels of teachers, players, and and philosophers, if you will. And one of the things we all have taken as truth on this show is that golf, the motion, is something you can't do while thinking about how to do that motion. But I want to 
talk about something you said in terms of when golfers learn the motion. One of the challenges is in learning the motion, there's almost set in motion, I keep saying that, a, a paradigm, a pathway of always trying to fix this unfixable thing. And none of us, even an elite player, ever feels like it's done, which is why it golf produces nothing but people trying to figure out what to do over every single shot. And I, and I think, Tim, and I like your uh, thoughts as well, part of the reason that is is the way it's taught is that it's not taught naturally like those other sports that you mentioned. It's taught in a very Jenga-like way that if any of those building blocks are pulled away, the, the the total crumbles. So how do we get around, if you agree with anything I just said, how do we get around that? So, so the thing is, is that the teacher has to understand a very simple question. How is fluid motion produced and why does it break down? Now, let me take the top 100 teachers in the world sit down with them and ask them, now, do you know how fluid motion is produced and why it breaks down? Well, unless they've spoken to a neurophysiologist or have done research, they will not know that. They'll say, well, it's, it, 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 you know, if the transition is too quick, you're not going to produce fluid motion. If you're too shallow, you're not going to produce fluid motion. If you're too steep, if you leave the club face open, if you do take it back uh, it, too much on the inside of the outside, no, 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 no. You have to understand the motherboard. You have to understand the motherboard of the swing. Now, the motherboard of the swing is the processes in the brain physiology that produce fluid motion. There's a few basic tenets you have to understand. One is that the brain physiology needs to experience a threshold level of wholeness, wholeness, before you're able to produce a fluid swing. Now, what does wholeness mean? Wholeness means it's not the absence of parts. It's the togetherness of all the parts, always. It's like making a golf smoothie where you have to hit the blend button. Now, if, if someone's working on the transition and the instructor is saying, no, you know, your hands, uh, you're, you're crossing the path or you're, 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 you're initiating the swing too early or whatever, if that starts to break wholeness, in other words, the, the, the student is so focused on this one aspect of the swing and the teacher is feeling and the, and the student is feeling, well, if I just take care of this one aspect of the swing, everything's going to fall and roll like dominoes. That's right. All will be well if I could just do no, that one is, thing. No, exactly. no, no, because the glue that holds the swing together is timing. The glue that holds a swing together is timing. Timing is compromised. When wholeness is broken, in other words, it's compromised when a part starts to overshadow the whole. Now, right. someone goes to an instructor. I mean, look, I mean, there's so many examples of this, guys. All right. I mean, you look at Jordan Speed, okay? Jordan Speed wanted five or 10 more yards, all right? This is what I've read. He wanted five or 10 more yards. So he started working on whatever. And then what happens is that that part, that he thought that if he did, would generate five or ten more yards, completely compromised his timing. Completely. But he's living in the universe where he doesn't understand the motherboard. His teacher does not understand the motherboard. I mean, how can you not understand the source of the swing? It's ludicrous. It is ludicrous. It's like a mechanic doesn't understand how an engine works. Well, what kind of mechanic is he? If you don't understand the source of the swing and the nuances, then really you're, you, you don't have the full package. Okay, as just pause there because I know Tim and I have 700 questions to ask. But, uh, Tim, you go first and then I've got 60. All right. Tim <laughs> Well, Steve, it's 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 kind of like well. So Mike Hebron, uh, who we've had on the show, uh, we are a big fan. Everything starts in the brain, and I, I think what's so interesting about that and how I'm going to connect with what you just said is that so everyone's trying to fix you know their transition or all of this type of stuff, and what I've noticed like when you look at elite athletes, you look at LeBron James, if he goes up for a for a shot, there's like a a fundamental way you're supposed to, you know, 
pitch the ball, if you will, to, to the basket. But someone will block him, and he'll adjust, and he'll be off balance and still figure out how to get it in. A hockey player will be off balance and be able to do it. So what part of the brain, well, what part of the brain allows us to correct and to, to, oh, to fulfill our intention of getting the ball in the hole or on the green? The mighty cerebellum. The cerebellum. I love two, those guys. The mighty cerebellums. The mighty cerebellums, okay? <laughs> the cerebellum does two things. One, it tracks where emotion is and then where it has to be in order to be corrected uh, successfully. And there's these feedback loops going between the cerebellum, which sinks emotion, the basal ganglia, which stores muscle memory, and the motor cortex, which communicates with the body to produce motion. They're feedback loops. The cerebellum is checking the motion 100 times a second, positions, where it is, where it is, where it is. Now, if you've accessed the correct use of the cerebellum, which you can only access if the mind is infused with a deeper level of silence, if you've accessed the cerebellum and you're at the top of the swing, and you've, you've been 10,000 times or 50,000 times at the top of the swing, so you know how it feels, how it should feel, and it doesn't feel right, the cerebellum will be able to self-correct the motion, somehow find a decent slot coming down, and at least square the club at impact so that you're still in the hole. So, your, you, brain, so your brain and body is smarter than your conscious mind. You've got this genius of the brain physiology. Now, the cerebellum is always going to help produce emotion and self-correct it to a certain degree. But it's like using you – have, you have a Jaguar that's a 12-cylinder car, and you're using four cylinders. You're using four mm-hmm. cylinders, okay? How, how good can the car run? Yeah, mine's a beat-up old Acura from 2013. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Get the Tesla, okay? Um, so – no, I, I, I was going to say you know, a lot of a lot of people listening to our show, you know, know that we're loving this. But your book is called Simplicity, and one of the things that I want to get to is n- now that people have a sense that their wonky motion isn't because they didn't listen to their instructor and that they're not externally rotated on the way back. That part of the reason that some people at any level can have moments of of great sort of. Um, of fluidity and then yet years of feeling awkward what and i and i just got through the first 40 or 50 pages of the book and the program and i'm already intrigued by some of the methodology that gets us out of those traditional you know how we go to the ball and how we're all trying to figure out how to do it while we're doing it how do we bypass all that noise well the thing is is that the brain physiology was designed by the creator to produce fluid motion when it experiences a threshold level of wholeness. You're over the ball, right? Wholeness means the togetherness of all the parts. So let's not even start when you're behind the ball. Let's start uh, when you're over the ball. Let's start when you're behind the ball and you're figuring out what kind of shot you want to hit. Okay. So you take into consideration all the elements of the shot, the lie, the wind, the temperature, where you are on the round, how you want to hit the shot, how you want to shape it, how aggressive, what was the last shot. You can be... Many, many different variations of, of what's going on and ingredients. And you put all those ingredients into, let's say, a golf um, uh, blender. You're going to make a golf smoothie, right? Now, if you're over the ball, right before you pull the trigger, right before you pull the trigger, if something is pulsating, don't hit it left, don't hit it right, get the club in this position, flight it like this, whatever it is, if something is pulsating over those other elements in your golf smoothie, you do not have a threshold level of wholeness before you pull the trigger. So when you pull the trigger during the swing, what makes you think you're going to have a threshold level of wholeness? You are just hoping and praying something good comes out of that shot. Mm-hmm. That's so why how- for that's why for a lot of golfers, every time they hit it, and I think you mentioned this in a way, that for a lot of us, even you know decent players, it's kind of a surprise sometimes. You know, like yes. it's like what what where did that come from? Is something that we all say. Here's the thing: by accident, yes. purely by accident, because number one, you're never practicing this. Number two, you don't even know what has to happen in order to produce a fluid motion. Every every you know, it could be every swing or every round or every week. You know, you got a new fix. So you're living in this, oh, maybe this is going to work. Oh, maybe this is going to work. You are dancing around 
the superficial understanding of how to produce a golf motion. You are dancing around. You are never going to the fundamental level. There is no understanding of the motherboard. It's like you're a gardener and you're watering the plant and you're, do, you're watering the tree. You have no understanding of the roots. What nourishes the roots of the, of the tree? So this is, what's un, this is what nourishes the root of a golf swing. Now, in your program, and, and I, a very good golf instructor told me this a couple of years ago where he was getting ready for a tournament. He says, once you cross the threshold and you've done your pre-shot and you're about to go to the ball, he says, I don't want you to have any more words. And when I read in your book, I started to get a better explanation of what you propose, even, you know, any golfer. But, you know, when you're playing the game, your proposal is that you should do something to take your to get the smoothie to be more smooth. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the mechanics of that. Now, I want to mention uh, a first comment on what you just said, okay? So someone's going through uh, working with an instructor, and they are getting very technical, and they are doing this, and they're looking at the TrackMan numbers, and they're analyzing and giving a report card um, uh, 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 on every shot. Oh, that was good. You got it. Oh, that was bad. Oh, that was bad. That So everything is report card, all this information, all this information, Hours and hours and hours, could be lifetimes. Oh, by the way, Mr. Player, when you're over the ball. <laughs> That's right, Trout, I didn't think of anything. When you're over the ball, <laughs> I don't think of anything. Are you serious? Are you really serious? Okay. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is just ludicrous. It there is. There is no logic to that. It's like we're going to give you all this information I mean, tons of layers and layers and layers of information. Oh, by the way, when you tee it up on the first tee in the tournament, don't think of anything. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, but Stephen, Stephen, that gets back to what I was saying to you 10 minutes ago. When people teach the game of golf, even after a year, you say, well, you've got a decent motion. By the time you've been in this game a month, you've got 6,000 things you've been told to think about. You are so far underwater. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? you're going to stay underwater because you're going to be on that YouTube. You're going to be looking for this tip. You're going to be thinking that, oh, you're going to start, uh, you're not start. You'll always live in the, oh, if I could only universe. Oh, if I could only <laughs> yeah, yeah, do yeah. it like that. Oh, yeah, if I could only. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying, yeah. Tim, right? If I yeah. can only get it, and how, you, if I can only get it like this, come on, people. Th- this is a revolution. This is the biggest revolution in sports and in golf. It's not my revolution. You have been gifted with a 12-cylinder Jaguar. You're using three cylinders. Why don't you think you're not progressing? Why do you think that it's hit and miss? Why do you think you're so frustrated and that you're a mental and physical wreck half the time when you walk (laughs) off the (laughs) That's for sure. Well, Steve, let me me run this by you to see if we can relate – if our listeners can relate. So there's times in which I come to a game in which it's like I'm really not – I don't have any plan for the day. I just stand over the shot. Uh, my my intention is to hit some kind of shot to that flag, and then my body just seems to, to do it. Like I, I'm not directing it. Anything, particularly shots are out of the woods or whatnot. I'm really good. I think I'm leading in strokes game punching out. Uh, but <laughs> that's right. On Punching out shots, for triple. Yeah, exactly. Those types of shots, it just something magical just seems to happen. Right. So what? explain to us what what happens when we're kind of just when we're not trying to do something and when it just seems to happen. What's going on there? Second ball syndrome. Yeah. Second ball syndrome. Second ball touring pro. Second ball during pro or or fourth round score when you're out of the tournament, more right. or less. Okay? Yep. Or, uh, um, as Tim said, you know, punch out king, right? So w- what's happening? It's very simple. It's only one thing that's happening. is the prefrontal cortex goes offline. The prefrontal cortex, which is the front of the frontal part of the cortex, is, is, is a discriminating intellect. It's called the CEO of the brain because it oversees all processes in the brain. For whatever reason, the circumstances allowed you to get the PFC offline, which means you stop thinking. Now, the PFC, the CEO, the CEO of the brain, what does the CEO want to do in a company? Well, he wants to, he, what are you doing? What are you, he wants to oversee everything. Control. 
Control. What are you doing? Let me see your report. Well, how come we didn't do this last year? Whatever. So what happens is circumstances, like a guy who shoots himself, a pro on the PGA or LPGA tour, all right, you know what? I'm 15 back. I got no chance out here, and they shoot the 66. I mean, they call it a back-end top 10. They back in on Sunday. Right, or they back in because, exactly, because they thought, I have no chance. So what happens? Or second ball syndrome, practice round, perfect lie, perfect club, no win. Oh, they're licking their chops. They miss the green. They drop the ball in disgust, and they and they and they stick it three feet. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Where's the PSC on the on the first shot? Well, it's it's pulsating like nobody's business, like like the lights outside of the Bellagio. Where's the PSC on the second shot? Uh, it's it's buried somewhere in Beijing. Or if you're in Beijing, it's buried in in Westchester. Now, so you mean the CEO is no longer barking? <laughs> That's right. Turn but, your left hip. But but back to my question a couple minutes ago about simplicity, and I was intrigued by this because for a long time, I could have a I had a lot of rounds where I would be three over after two and be under par the rest of the round. I had a lot. That was kind of my mo for a while. Excuse me. Um, but in in your book, the first thing that resonated with me is some of the exercises to take the prefrontal cortex offline. What's great about Stephen's book, everyone, once I get through uh, choking here, the great thing about the book is it shows you how to get into the zone, not that zone, but a zone where fluidity can happen as a byproduct of some simple exercises. Because I did it, I read it last week, or read that part last week, and started putting by doing the nines. And I'll tell you, I, I, and I tried to soften it up when I started noticing myself going, oh, well, I figured this out. But I, I've really noticed over the last 10 days a, a, nice, a nice sort of fluidity just using that simple practice. So maybe you can talk about that. I, I'd just like to ask, too, are we, through some of those things, are we practicing distraction? Here's the thing. That, that's a very common comment, all right? Is this just distracting the prefrontal cortex? A surface level, okay, a surface level explanation would, well, maybe it is. A deeper level is that no, what you're doing is you're culturing the brain physiology to be familiar with that space that produces fluid motion. You're culturing the mind systematically to make that state where there is this deeper level of silence, your default state, because what you're doing now when you're practicing, you're not practicing culturing the mind to be quiet. You're practicing culturing the mind to be as active as it humanly possibly can. Really? And you really think you're going to get better by doing that? But people come by that honestly, Stephen. That's what I was trying to drive at. The way the golf game is taught, that's how they... That's the culture that they're taught. So in this book... Um, you outlined this, and again, Tim, that's a great point about it being distracting, but it, it feels different than sometimes I hum a song or sometimes I try and quiet my brain, but you actually have techniques to help us do that. Yeah, there's about 25 of them in there, okay? And they build on each other and they get more powerful. Uh, it's, it, I have four sets of fluid cues and each set of fluid cues gets more powerful than the previous one. So you get to the fourth one, and the fourth one is actually the simplest. And then all of a sudden, you're starting to practice in a way that's going to make the, uh, the brain physiology, where the brain physiology produces zone experiences, you're going to have easier access to that on the course. Otherwise, you, you just really, you're just hoping and praying something good shows up that day. I'm just hoping and praying. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, a good golfer, you know, a lot of times it does. So you have a lot. Steve, I, I, I love the analogy that you use in there about the dinner party, and that if you if you invite all these people and just sit on the couch and let them come in, it'll be fine. You don't have to get up and down all the time. That's right. But and so so how do we? Well, I think one of the things too is like your intention was all these people were going to come, and then just allow our bodies to fulfill the intention. Exactly. Howard, did you have a? Well, no, but I still haven't gotten Stephen to talk about the example of the nines. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, so, we, I, I wanted you to get to that because it's a simple thing, sir. Somebody listening right now, if they want to go get the book, this might be a little catch for them because I yeah. found the I found this technique so simple to do. Somebody listening today could be on their way to the golf course and go, oh, I'll try that. I may not forget about the knowledge behind it, but it's a very simple thing you might try today. So as soon as you start your pre-shot routine, you start thinking of the number nine. You can think it one time, five times, ten times, fast, slow, stop, go. There's not a right or wrong way of thinking the number. Then right before you're about to pull the trigger, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, you're on the range or on the putting green, you stop thinking the nines just for that brief millisecond. And then when you pull the trigger, it's one long nine. doesn't matter where it stops, and you're not paying attention to where it stops. Now, the key is not the number nine. The key is where you think the number from. The mind is like an ocean. There are surface levels and there are deeper, quieter, softer levels. You want to think the number so softly that it doesn't have a concrete form. It's just a feeling. And the ideal way to think the number is uh, that you're thinking it so softly. Well, was it there? Was it not there? I mean, it's just this faint trace of a number. So... Um, usually people start off doing it very well, and then they get so excited, they make the nine the star of the show. So then <laughs> it's not generated, from, <laughs> right? Then it's not generated from a softer level. Then right. it's generated from uh, the surface level of the mind. And when you generate a thought from the surface level of the mind, you only have access to the surface level intelligence of the body. But the way it's set up is that when you generate an intention from a quieter, softer level of the mind you have no choice but to access the deeper levels of intelligence of the body so always if it's if it stops working and again you know read the book because it gives you a real detailed explanation you just soften it up and make it quiet that's the part i like okay tim ask about the uh, dinner party then we got about five more minutes with uh, Stephen yellen his book is called the fluid motion factor golf program this is called it's simplicity and uh he's got pardon me yeah, yeah, simplicity. Uh, Timmy, go ahead. Well, what I, I like about that, that story about the dinner party is that you invite these people, 25 people, and then they, you, so rather than get up and down from the, and, and check the door, which would be the CEO self-interfering, you just wait on the couch and they'll come in and, and your dinner party will be fine. So what I'm going to connect that to is that, in essence, you're detaching from the result that these 25 people will come. And I love that piece, and I think this is something that could really help our listeners, is, well, I'll let you describe that whole piece around if you can reach a 10-level of detachment and then hit the ball. Now, I never say 10-level of detachment, okay? I'm well, very whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, no, I'm very, it's very important what words yeah. you use because you're creating a very subtle arena, and that arena needs to be constructed in a certain way. It's a 10-level of acceptance. That's right. Meaning that before you take one step into the ball, you have accepted all the results of that shot. It goes left, it goes right, I hit it thin, I hit it fat, whatever. Once you have, uh, which is easier said than done, when mm-hmm. you know, you're, uh, you know, you're in the hunt for, for, uh, at Augusta or the U.S. Open, but this is where the great players live and that's why they're great. Once you have a 10 level of acceptance, I have accepted the results, no phony baloney, it's not, okay, I've accepted the results, but I want to hit a good shot. Uh, no, you can't be 20% pregnant, all right? It's either yes or no, right? So once you have that 10 level of acceptance and you walk in and you pull the trigger, the prefrontal cortex has nothing to chew in during the swing because you have accepted all the results. So guess what? You are free. Mm-hmm. The body is free to do what it knows, knows what to do. And, and I think that... Elite athletes, because I know you've you know talked in some of your other books about different sports, uh, mainly tennis, which you were a very good player. But in the in the world of elite athletes and high level amateurs and even good club players, we seem to see them as having you know found the magic formula. But what I've gotten out of your book so far and reading about this method and 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 and, and having had conversations, Tim and I about. The idea of what it feels like to a golfer to let go and, and where the secret sauce is. What's great about Stephen's book is it's a very detailed, easy to read and understand kind of manual without it being another golf tip. That's what I really enjoy. It's like, okay, okay, if I just do nine, eight, seven, everything will be good. But 
it does give you an introduction to how to free up uh, yourself over a golf ball and, and kind of things that, that Hebron and Shoemaker talk about, which is at a certain point, you've got enough in your motion to play the kind of golf that you want to play. You know, there is a secret sauce, Howard and Tim. There absolutely is a secret sauce. And the secret sauce is how to access the deeper levels of the brain physiology because that's the motherboard. So if you if you can access that level, if you can use all 12 cylinders, hey, you're good to go. So the secret sauce is, is you know, Tiger had a great motion, but there were a lot of players that had a great motion in golf, okay, that never really made it. So it was not the quality of his motion that really separated him from the field. It was the quality of his silence during the motion. And the secret sauce is being able to access a deeper level of silence in the brain physiology, especially in pressure situations. In those moments, yeah. When in those moments, okay, and you know there's this quote I talk about, the Tiger quote, very, which I love this quote, there have been key shots in major tournaments where I took the club out of the bag and I didn't remember anything until I saw the ball land on the green yeah. or the ball in the air. He, he doesn't remember anything. It's pure silence. Well, guys, you know that for years it was so famous, all these golf commentators saying, oh, there's a shot that only Tiger Woods could hit. And I used to say, well, that's right. But other guys could hit it if it were Tuesday. Other you know? guys could. Exactly. They could, could hit it if it was Tuesday. Easily hit it. All those shots. The fact that he hit them on the 72nd hole to win a tournament was what blew everyone's mind. It's like, is he going to try and cut it around that tree? It's not Tuesday with Tim. No, no. There's 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 players that can do that. Okay? Oh, yeah. But they can't all the time. All the time. The driving ranges in Orlando are littered with thousands of players that can swing and there's track man numbers. They can win U.S. Opens, but they can't do it on the 72nd hole. Uh, this book can help you. Uh, Tim O'Connor, uh, last couple words to you. The book is called Simplicity, the Fluid Motion Factor Golf Program. We're going to let Stephen go. Then you and I will do five minutes to wrap this thing up for another week. Any final words for this great man that we've spoken to? Oh, I just wanted to say, Steve, congratulations on a great book. Uh, really well done. Uh, I've written a few books. And this is really well done. I would, uh, I think it's an important contribution as well uh, to our understanding of a new approach to the game that you talked about. I do think that golf's undergoing a revolution. Uh, still, still kind of the embers are still just kind of there, but led by yourself, people like Mike Hebron, Carl Morris, uh, Fred Shoemaker. I think we're starting to tap into that. We're not broken, and we don't need fixing. And if we just access it, we can actually play some really good golf. And, and you know what, Tim? I would say yes to all. And the, the other thing I'd add is I think the idea of playing golf with a sense of freedom is available yeah. for everybody. Because, you know, whether you're scratch or you're a 25 handicap, you, you, you have access to whatever skills you have that will make you enjoy the experience. Steve, could we ask you... Uh, if from time to time we can uh, try this again, because I think there's so much more in your book, and, and I'd, I'd, we'd love to have you back. Oh, Howard, Tim, it was my pleasure. Uh, you guys are very bright. Oh, Thank yeah. All can okay. We're Canadians, oh, Steve. All of us are bright. <laughs> <laughs> we're no. so misunderstood as Canadians. Yeah, people have no idea. Hey, Stephen, no. all the best to you, and stay healthy and well. And, uh, again, we'll, we'd love to have uh, some con yeah. conversations this winter because we've only, I'll tell you folks, we've only just scratched the surface of how this can make whatever level of golf you play so much more enjoyable. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Very nice, sir. Bye-bye. You just uh, end meeting or leave meeting, and uh, Tim and I are going to wrap things up. You got it. All right, man. Timmy O'Connor. Uh -huh. So you've written some books, have you? <laughs> yeah, I've read a few. So I've read read a few I love books. how you did that. You know, I've read. I've written some books. <laughs> I wrote one. I wrote one stupid book. Uh, you know, I, I uh, about a year, half a year ago, I sent away for. Uh, I, I rarely do this, but there was this guy on Facebook, and for fifty bucks, you could download his PDF book uh, about putting, about putting. He'd been working with some Australian tour players. Anyway, his his program was kind of based on Stephen's work, which is, and this was all about putting, which is to have 
something else playing in your brain while you go and do the motion. Now, it's not anywhere near as well explained as this, but when I read that first exercise about the nines, I'm like, oh, that's like this dude. Um, there's another thing in Stephen's book where he talks about, you know, let's say you and I are on a, a, sh- a sh- hole and we both sort of pull hooked it onto the road because we were thinking too much. But if we just turned and tried to hit it onto the road, we'd both rip it. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, exactly. Y- you would just cut because, you know, given no consequence, your frontal cortex just goes, ah, fuck it. <laughs> just go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Just go ahead and hit it. Well, you know, it's funny. My dad, um, I remember playing with my dad, and, you know, I was I used to call myself Ernest Grinder. You know, I'd be trying <laughs> to do everything right and, and play well with my dad especially. And, you know, I had some tension-riddled swing and, you know, pull hook at left. And then he'd say, he says, put your don't-give-a-shit swing on it. Yeah. You know, and pow, you know, this lovely swing. And, and what I wanted to connect that with around attention, intention, and people have this fixation now about Target. And it reminded me of a story about Mo Norman, is that Mo would just kind of get up and he just, he just hit the ball without seeming to look. And people said, Mo, you didn't look at the green. He goes, what? Did they move the green? Did they move the green? Yeah. I mean, because, well, listen, Rotella started this sort of one branch of our world where, you know, the more target specific that you are, you need to focus on the tiny bit of the tree and then and then. And and that's good because if you're not trying to I think for a lot of people it was like if you're not intending to hit it somewhere, what are you doing? But I think a lot of people, myself included at times, have gotten overboard with that. Totally. Because you know, and as you, that's a great example about Mo. Because like, if I'm going to try and hit it to that door over there, and you and I are, and you're, I'm going to throw a football. I don't, I don't need to continually look at it to kind of have a sense. of so Tim's there, or he's going to be there, and I throw it to. You know what I mean? It's our brain is already calibrated where that is. Exactly. And, you don't have to burn in the image of the doorknob in right. your brain. Like, and and <laughs> and when we are hitting balls together, which we've done, you know, I, I don't hit them very quickly, but you know, I, I push that ball. I've got a thing. I'm look at the target, and then I go and I swing at it. Whereas a lot of people get frozen over the ball. Exactly. I, I will tell you, I'm going to finish reading this, and then we should have him back because. I was very intrigued by what I've read so far, and it so lines up. Uh, but I think it's also a shift in some of the stuff that we've been talking about because it gives a a great physiological explanation, but a real step-by-step. Like, I've already had a few rounds doing the nines. Oh, cool. Um, you know me. I like to try this stuff out. And uh, it's interesting because... I'm pretty quiet over the ball, but I have found by just going, and it's very subtle. You're just, you're, you're sort of taking your practice swings, you're saying nine, nine, and then you get over the ball, and then just for a second you stop. And that weird thing is, when you stop saying nine, there's nothing there for a second. And then you say nine as you take the club back. But it's what it does, because you caught it, it's a bit of a distraction, but it, it brings your brain to rely on the deeper parts of it, which is that Howard exactly. that Howard and Tim know how to swing a golf club. Exactly. It's, and that's what we talk. So, you know, I'm sure some of our people go, oh, cerebellum, prefrontal cortex, whoa, I'm no brain surgeon. But you don't have but, to be. Exactly. But the, the I think the key point is that it's in the silence mm-hmm. that things happen, is that your brain, your deeper parts of your brain are what cause the motion to happen. And you, when you're... CEO, your brain is your conscious mind is barking out all these instructions. That just gets causes us to get our own way, and we can't access that brilliance. It's it's like really golf can be as easy as throwing a, a you know a, a plain catch. Well, we're silent. And, and, you know it's funny because he started off, and I I, I I'm just going to keep bringing it back to where all this begins is how we learn the game. Um, but I never was as, you know, as a kid, if you and I were at, you know, the Moose Jaw Golf and Country Club where I worked, I wasn't working on the positions of my swing. I didn't do that until later. I mean, I got it from my dad. By the way, great picture of you and your father. <laughs> so good. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Is that from your blog? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great. 
check out Timmy's blog. It's and it's a it's a great shot of you as a uh, younger fellow, Ernest Grinder. That's what I'm gonna start calling you. It's, it's so fucking good. <laughs> if we do get to play tomorrow, I'm gonna say on the tee from Guelph, Ontario. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the problem is you know we're. We don't remember that as kids. We were just banging it around. I never thought about where it was going to go until I, you know, into yeah, my middle like, teens. You know, when, when you were 12 years old, uh, you'd have a 15-footer. you hit it four feet by. Instead of going, oh, my gosh, mm. I didn't accelerate or keep my head down, you just go on the other side and bang it in the hole. Yep. But, you know, it's part of, again, kind of, I don't know, it's kind of what we do as adults is we try and control the world and here's how you do it and so it worked this worked today so do that tomorrow but also it's this is going to sound conspiracy theory stuff but it's the way that people invented they invented how to make a living as golf instructors and and that's by giving people tips and do that see in two weeks Mm -hmm. and as one of our friends of show says that keeps the lights on well yeah but i don't know that golf instructors invented that and that golfers at some point went, wow, I want to swing like that or magazine, you know, it, it, it just, it's it just, and I think it's how you, if you learn it as a kid, you will have a sort of more natural introduction to it. But this is yeah. the, for, for, it's the hardest game ever, but it's impossible to learn as a grown up just for what we're talking about. Because as a grown up, uh, shame, humiliation, embarrassment, all those things are part of it. But so is this trying to run through the checklist over the ball as of how to hit the ball. Yeah, but, uh, that, but again, that, but that's how, you know, I, I think I oversold the part about the instructors, but I think what I mean is that people are seeking, it's like our friend George Durrani, we're addicted to comfort. Yeah. And so we want to control our environment. So the way to do that, we have to do it right. And that's the way the book says, YouTube says. So if I do this right, I won't. I can't get hurt. If I do things right, I won't get hurt. I'll tell you, I'll give the last word to a guy. And then lots of people have known what Stephen's talking about, just haven't been able to articulate it. It may be in, uh, as an intellectual way, but George Knudsen said this, and, I, and I've been understood this more and more as I've gotten older. You have to give up control to gain control. Hardest thing for a golfer to do is swing freely. But when you do, you actually control the golf ball. Because the opposite, when you're trying to control that club face, you have no chance. You have some chance. It'll, it'll hit it. It'll go sort of someplace. But it's those shots... Those shots that feel like you've just swung through butter are, are, are what Stephen's saying is available to all of us more often. Timothy, I look forward to our time tomorrow. Uh, exciting to finish off uh, another show with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's a, you're going to have... A, I'm, I'm not able to play today. I have things to do, but... Uh, big mistake. Like it's going to be a gorgeous day. Huge so. mistake. Have fun. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to This was great. Tim O'Connor. Tim, uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleAndFredRadio.com. Uh, this is Swing Thoughts, brought to you by TaylorMade, and uh, we'll see you soon. Double phone.